Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. It's July 13th, 1837, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ollie, the Retrospectors. So it was on this day that Queen Victoria moved into Buckingham Palace as her full-time residence, and you'll be delighted to know that I discovered her diary entry for the time. Oh, we're going to hear the impression again, Arian. Yeah, here it comes. Yeah. What did she say? <laughs> so, uh, so what she says, here we go. She says, Thursday, 13th of July, got up at 8am, at half P9, we breakfasted. Can't get enough. Can't get enough. <laughs> it was the last time that I slept in that poor old palace as I go to Buckingham Palace today. Though I rejoice to go into BP for many reasons, it is not without feelings of regret that I shall bid adieu for ever, that is to say, forever as a dwelling, to this, my birthplace, where I have been born and bred and to which I have become quite attached. <laughs> and that was, she was talking about Kensington Palace. Yeah, she was moving yes. across from Kensington Palace. And it's interesting. <laughs> that, that, oh. yeah, <laughs> that horrible <laughs> dive. Um, but she was still quite young at this stage. She'd really only just become queen, in fact. And what Buckingham Palace represented to her was so many things. You know, it represented her freedom from quite a controlled young life. Uh, well, freedom, it's a strange right. way to embrace in- your freedom, isn't it? By inheriting the control of an entire empire. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't seem that freeing. True, true. You're right. It's, it's, it is a weird kind of freedom. But even so, you know, she'd, she had been brought up under a system of rules called the Kensington system, which were really very, very stringent and provided her with no opportunity to do her own thing. Yeah, well, she was sleeping in a room with her mother, wasn't she? This is one of the first things she did when she became queen at the age of 18. She said, right, take this bed, get it out my mum's room. Yeah. (laughs) So it really is like kind of being packed off and going off to college, isn't it, for a lot of people? Like, she was like, I'm getting out of this palace, I'm going to go into the other palace, it's going to be my palace, I'm going to have my own bedroom. Pick up mum's bed, take it down the hall, go past the ballroom, go past the several pools, go past <laughs> the thing, stick it down in, in you know, room 70 of, <laughs> of 3,000. Um, but no, it really did represent this universe that she then created that also became a sort of focal point for what her rule was and what the empire became over the course of her life. But it wasn't very nice when she moved in. It's interesting that she was excited to move in. I get the feeling that the letting agent had not given her a full tour. Uh, So the thing with Buckingham House, so no monarch had lived in it previously. It was built in 1703 for the Duke of Buckingham and George III bought it for the use of his wife, Queen Charlotte, but no one had actually lived in there full time. When, by the way, it was called the Queen's Palace. Mm. That's weird, isn't it? It was called the Queen's Palace when the Queen didn't live in it. You know, when she was just like a kind of first lady married to the king type queen. But when we actually got a queen, they went back to calling it Buckingham again. What? Well, and so 
because no one had really lived there, it was described as being very cold and drafty, very dirty. The staff were apparently lazy and slovenly because they hadn't ever really had to, you know, cater to the whims of an actual monarch. And apparently it stayed that way until uh, Queen Victoria married Prince Albert, who was Mm. very famous for getting his hands up in all the business that came to him imposing a bit of that you know germanic discipline on staff and just trying to make it a much nicer place and it did become i mean it sounds a bit silly to say it because we're talking about a palace with 775 rooms but under their stewardship it did become a family home for albert and victoria and their many children yeah because you did a side extension i mean (laughs) who moves into a house with hundreds of rooms is like you know what this needs to be it's a bit bigger yeah, <laughs> a bit more space for entertaining. That's genuinely what she said. I mean, it just shows again that like eighteen-year-old monarch gets away with asking for this kind of stuff. And there genuinely was this sense, I think, in the country of wanting this fresh start as well, mm. which mm. is why she was able to get away with it because money had to be spent, public money had to be spent on renovating Buckingham Palace for her. But if you look at there's a, a painting by Sir David Wilkie who painted her doing one of her first meetings with various noblemen, and she's wearing white. But in actuality, she wouldn't have been. She'd have been wearing black because she was still mourning her dad because the king had just died because that's why she's queen. Mm. But when he painted it, she's wearing white. And it's kind of like there's so much desire for her to stand out and be seen and celebrated. and be like It was exciting as well, I guess, to have a woman on the throne for the first time in ages as well. People wanted this to be new and modern. Yeah. I mean, it must be said, if she was disappointed with her lodgings when she first got there, she was on best behavior even to her diary because... Uh, um, turn the page. Oh. Uh, <laughs> oh she says, this is like Simon Callow just dripping into she, Dickens every now and then, isn't it? She, right. So she, she says she arrived a little after two and she traveled in her carriage with Mama and Lady Lansdowne. Uh, and she says, I'm very much pleased with my room. They are high, pleasant and cheerful. And she then the the next act that she does is to arrange things before going out into the garden (laughs) with her dog Dashi which was a a loyal companion when she was a a kid and they run around in the gardens a bit and then they have to come inside unfortunately because a few people have turned up to kiss hands (laughs) which I love (laughs) yeah one thing that was very notable about Buckingham Palace at the time was it had extraordinarily poor security I don't know if you guys have heard of the boy Jones it was no. a he was a, a Victorian scamp slash maybe weird stalker to our modern yeah. eyes. He was a teenage boy. He was fourteen when this started. In nineteen thirty eight, he broke into the palace disguised as a chimney sweep, and he supposedly stole a pair of Queen Victoria's underwear before fleeing Ooh. and he was captured later by police in London. I mean, if that seems like a weird fetish, it's worth just saying, like, 18-year-old Queen Victoria was quite hot by comparison to what you're imagining. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean I only have paintings to go on. Well, and then on another occasion, apparently the Queen's companion, who was Baroness Lazen, found him hiding under a sofa in the royal apartments. He'd also apparently sat on the throne and helped himself to food. Did he then steal a handkerchief and belt out, consider yourself at home? (laughs) (laughs) No, but there were three times he was caught and he said he'd been in another time and nobody had even noticed. And he became a bit of a, you know, notorious figure in the Victorian press, although in real life it was actually quite sad. He spent some time in the Navy, but kept running away to try and walk back to London and go to Buckingham Palace and eventually ended up in Australia. 
I hope you're not suggesting that fans of the Royals have some sort of mental health concern, Rebecca. <laughs> I've never deduced that from seeing the footage of people who stand outside the palace all day waving flags. And I think nowadays, yeah, the boy Jones would be stood outside Buckingham Palace wearing a full Union Jack suit and ball hat. <laughs> yeah. And apparently Prince Charles, when he becomes king, wants to open it up even more. He wants it to be open when the royal family's actually in residence, which at the moment is something that never happens. Well, because that's the bit you want to see, isn't it? Like, I don't want to see... I mean, I like looking at art, but there are already loads of galleries in London. What I want to see when I go on the Buckingham Palace... Well, like, did you know that Queen Elizabeth had a home birth, gave birth to Andrew and Charles in Buckingham Palace? That's the room I want to see. I want to see the blood on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> but I just, I've seen Queen Victoria's toilet, and that's great. Like, seeing yeah. the Royal Thunderbox. That's what you want. You've got to wait 100 years before you're allowed to see the good stuff. I want to steal Prince Charles's underwear. <laughs> oh God! And that's the thing that that actually the rooms that they open to the dirty, filthy public like us are the state rooms. Those are, mm. and those are the rooms where people are coming in and out of anyway. Well, they're the rooms that you might conceivably get invited into one day anyway right. if your career goes well, right? Do you know what I yes. mean? Like, and that would be nice. Like, if they yeah. ever had a, a luncheon for podcasters, I'd be yes. delighted to go to the state rooms at Buckingham Palace. <laughs> but I feel like. I'm not seeing anything there that I couldn't possibly aspire to see anyway, you know? You'd sneak off and look for the Thunderbox. Absolutely. <laughs> You'd find me with my head sticking out of it, posing for a selfie. Would you like to know some celebrities who have had sex in Buckingham Palace? Go <laughs> on. I was hoping you'd tell us this. <laughs> Unfortunately, Victoria never recorded it in her diary, so I won't ask you to do the voice. Um, but I looked this up because I just sort of assumed, really, if I was a foreign dignitary, that's the first thing. If I was invited over to Buckingham Palace that I would suggest that I do, I just feel like, you know, you'd want the war story. So I was curious whether anyone had gone public about it. Ruthie Henschel, West End style Ruthie Henschel. She was dating Prince Edward at the time, to be fair, so it was a reasonable act. But uh, she claimed on I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here that she'd numerous times had sex at Buckingham Palace. <laughs> the surprising one was the uh, Welsh TV presenter Steve Jones says uh, he and his wife had sex in her bathroom. <laughs> Went off. They were at a charity event or whatever. I doubt there was an event where Steve Jones was invited to spend the night at Buckingham Palace. So that would have been <laughs> like he'd have been there raising money for the Prince's Trust or something. And then he slips off to the bathroom with his wife. <laughs> I must say, Ollie, I'm a little bit disappointed. I thought we were going to have the Obamas and, I don't know, <laughs> various popes. <laughs> Probably not popes. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon, though, again, even the Pope would. <laughs> Tomorrow. The people who made Star Trek said that they did not name him after Dr. Yeah. Spock. But, I f but that's right. not true, is it? Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network.